Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526. Or 499-WJBO if you like hunting and letters on the phone. Which I don't. Well, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, if they happen to be out of town. That's right. You can always put a 225 in front of that number and reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. And we'd really like to hear from you this morning. That's right. If you happen to be out of state and listen to us on maybe iHeart or one of the other internet-based sure all streams. I know iHeart's kind of the biggest. Right. I'm I, sure there's a lot more out there. There may be. I wanted a way for folks to listen to the radio show live. live. So what I did is on the website, if you click on podcasts, there's a little stopwatch over to the left-hand side that most people have seen who's ever been to the site, and it kind of counts down the time till the next automotive hour. And right. And that's accurate no matter where you're at in the world, even adjust for daylight savings time and Get all out. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got the bomb when it comes to programming. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, when it gets down to one hour before the show, if you click on that little stopwatch, it's going to take you to a live feed. And that way you can listen to us. Live. That's right. And that means you can call in. <laughs> hey, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, you got it. And of course, if you don't, you happen to listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, or one of those other fine services, you can always just call in. Just set your watch, 10 o'clock. That's it. Well, you call in at 10 o'clock. We'll get to you about 5 after. That's right. Whenever we get, get through with all the news and yeah. all the paraphernalia. <laughs> but if you happen to be out in California, of course, you got to get up pretty early to do that because Three hours, well, three hours earlier, I think. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a calculator from him, but I'm going to go out and live here and say three hours. There you go. Give us a call. We'll be glad to hear from you and try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Of course, if you live in the Baton Rouge area, we'd love to hear from you as well. That's it. And should you happen not to want to be on the radio and talk to us live or That's right. maybe think of something after we go off the air or even next week, That's right. you can go to our website and get your questions answered that way any time of the day or night. That address is www.agcoauto.com. That is Altazan's Garage Company. Right, A-G-C-O. That's it. There's a contact bar on every page. You can fill out the little form, send it in, and Lewis will get back to you within 24 hours and most of the time sooner. Yeah, most of the time a lot sooner. And one cool thing about that form, once you fill it out, when you go to send it, it's going to pop up and say, would you like to save this information? If you hit yes, it'll put a cookie on your machine which stores all that information that you typed in. So next time you go to it, the form's already filled out. That's it. All you have to do is change the complaint and right. you're ready to roll. Type in your new complaint, add the new mileage in case your vehicle mileage has changed and it's ready to roll. And it'll even store multiple cars for you. If you have five or six cars, it'll store every one of them. And it brings up a little scroll bar. You pick the car you want. Yeah. And we've got a lot of folks who do send us email on a fairly regular basis every time they have some type of automotive complaint or, or question. problem or question. That's right. Yeah. Just so, an email. Email. And I answer several of those every, now, every night right now if you send it at 10 o'clock at night it'll be the next day that's right or um, two o'clock in the morning well, it'll be the send next it day. after about 8 30 <laughs> <laughs> i'm generally in bed snoozing by then of course you may get a reply at five the next morning that's but, it but yeah it's just kind of the way it is <laughs> the whole person world here <laughs> there you go lots of other things you can do on that site as well pop on the detailed topics tons of good information on put the follow-up article to last week's article last week we started out with vibrations and how to diagnose vibrations this week, it goes into a lot more details, gives you a lot of little tests and stuff you can run yourself. These are no-cost tests uh -huh. that you can run to figure out what is vibrating on your car. Right. And the average person, I guess, with just the average amount of mechanical know-how could probably diagnose the vast majority of his own problems just using these steps. And it's nothing that you probably didn't know anyway, but it's stuff you probably never thought of, maybe never applied it in this situation, like most things in life. Right. And if you just go through read how to do this, then when you have a vibration in your car, you'll be able to, at very least, diagnose the problem yourself so you know how to get it fixed, how to go about getting it fixed, who to take it to to get it fixed. Exactly. 
but vibrations are one of those common, common ailments that we see. And a lot of people just don't understand. They'll go in and get old new shocks on their car. They'll get a front alignment and all kinds of stuff, which they may or may not need it anyway, but it doesn't cause cure to vibration. Right. We've seen a lot of parts changed to try to cover up a problem that's there. And I got a bucket full of shocks. Well, that's at the right. shop, you know, that were put on, well, and they weren't as good as the ones that came off. That's and, exactly the issue, is that most times people say, well, I put shocks on, it didn't help, but I'm not out of anything. Well, actually you are, because the shocks you took off were very high-quality original equipment shocks, and the ones you put back were kind of eh, right. not so good. Right. So now the car really doesn't ride or handle right, because a lot of the aftermarket stuff is just a universal shock with different mount brackets on it. It's not designed for the car, per se don't really drive or handle very well certainly not like that original equipment shock did. and that that original equipment shock will last a long time oh, if it's yeah. well taken yeah care of. i mean i if you'd run good tires on the car you know a good round tire doesn't beat them to death because most of the shocks that i find it fails because someone's had cheap tires on it just beat the shock to death but a good shock absorber may last two hundred thousand miles easily and still give good good performance in fact actually you'll find a degradation in your ride and handling when you put the new aftermarket shock on there sure <laughs> even with two hundred thousand miles on the original most of those are built particularly like on some of your japanese cars they use a takiko or a kyb which are real high-end shocks mm -hmm. even some of your domestic stuff now is using bilsteins and GM's been using Bilsteins for years. That's right. And which, if you go down and price that shock absorber, you're going to find out that's probably about a three or $400 shock absorber. Right. Which is a whole lot better than that $60 shock you buy now <laughs> at the parts store. Believe me, there's a difference. Oh, big difference. Why they cost that much more. It's kind of like wheels and so many other things. It's just right. a big, big, big difference in it. So pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. -O. I think you'll really like it. And we got Roger online. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. Calling about my son's car. He's got a 08 Chevy HHR with the 2.2 engine okay. and the four-speed four uh, standard transmission. Yes, sir. It's got 160,000 miles, and just recently it's developed this, well, when you hit up to 40 miles an hour, it's silent. Then about 40 miles an hour, you hear this kind of, wow, I know it's not a whine or a howling noise. It's just a humming noise okay. in the transmission. Okay. Are you sure it's in the transmission, Roger? Well, we, yeah, pretty sure. I mean, no, I'm not sure, but uh, it's got the original clutch. Mm -hmm. he, he's never changed the fluid in there. i tell you what either. you need to do, Roger. Get it up to about 45 or 50 miles an hour where it's really making a noise. Uh-huh. Okay, kick it in neutral and let it coast back down through that range and see uh -huh. if the noise is still there. Okay, I'm not okay. sure if it is or not. Well, try that. And you see, if the noise is still there and it's still just as prominent, it's probably not in the transmission or any of the driveline because you've okay. unloaded all that at that point. Sure now, if the noise is still there and still prominent, I would suspect some kind of a suspension like a wheel bearing or something like that. Now, the noise diminishes greatly or goes away. Then you're more likely into the transmission area. So that would be just one little simple test you could do to eliminate mm -hmm. half the possibilities on the car so you don't go barking up the wrong tree. Because like I say, it's got 106,000 miles, but I mean, the clutch and transmission may be fine. You don't want to go and start changing parts and still have the same noise. Because True. one of the common things that can cause that would be like a wheel bearing at that speed. It will sound exactly like you're describing. And let's say you get it up to... 50 miles an hour, you put it in neutral, you coast back down through the range, it's the same noise, it's still there, it hadn't changed. Next thing you want to do is get out on a long, lonely road with no traffic around and kind of sharply cut the wheel back and forth at that mm. same speed and see if noise changes. Mm. Because okay. when you're cutting the wheel back and forth, you're loading and unloading the wheel bearings. Now, let's say it gets louder in one direction and quieter in the other. Okay, well, now you're into a front wheel bearing. 
If it doesn't really change a whole lot, you're more likely into a rear wheel bearing. And it's very hard to tell the difference because the noise floats around under the car. But mm-hmm. these are the ways you could go about finding that without spending any money at all. You, know, you, mm-hmm. don't, have, you don't have to spend a dollar. You don't have to change a part. Just a few little simple tests, and then you got, you're probably ahead of 95% of the people. Now, mm-hmm. if you just can't find it, we do in the shop. Brian will take a series of microphones that we have, wireless microphones. We hook them mm-hmm. up underneath the car. We go drive the car with a rotary switch where I can listen to all the different microphones. They're numbered and a set of mm-hmm. headphones. And I can listen to left front wheel, right front wheel, left rear, right rear. I can just switch around to narrow in on the noise. Once I find the noise, let's say the noise is in the left front area. Well, then I may move all six microphones to the left front on different components. So mm-hmm. I can go in just as close as I need to. Once we get in the shop, I can put an ultrasound device on there and actually listen to the bearing and all that sort of thing. So a shop has the wherewithal to find that fairly easy and quickly. But again, if you just use the simple procedure I described to you, you can narrow that down and know whether you've got a transmission or a wheel bearing or a tire or what kind of problem it is. Now, mm-hmm. if, if you jack that front end up, take and put your floor jack underneath the control arm and lift that wheel off the ground, if there's any slack top to bottom, the bearing, then more than likely mm-hmm. that bearing is going to be the one making the noise mm-hmm. because not all the time, but a lot of time when a bearing fails, it gets loose. Mm-hmm. I've seen extremely loose ones and not cause a sound. Yeah, it can be very loose and not so, noisy. And it yeah, can be that bearing should not have any slack in it at all. That is a sealed hub bearing mm-hmm. bolted through the axle. Okay. So if it has slack in it, then so, you're probably looking and yeah, just do that simple shortly. little drive down test, and that's going to tell you if you're drive line related or, or wheel bearing or, or suspension related. And you know, from there, you should be able to figure it out pretty easy. Okay. okay well, I'll, I'll check all that and I'll get back to you until there. There you go. If I learn, he drives it pretty hard, and it could be a bearing, a wheel yeah. bearing. Yeah. Well, they go out. They just do. I mean, lots of things can make them go out. Of course, right. you bounce in the curve, it'll damage it, and it ain't fail right then, but it'll fail six months later. You drive sure. through high water. High water is anything six, seven, eight inches deep. Most people don't think anything about driving through that. If you go mm-hmm. on my website, just type in the word bearing on the search bar, and it'll bring up mm-hmm. three or four real nice articles on wheel bearings to tell you all about how they work, how you change them, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right, Roger. Sounds great. Thanks hey, for your help. Thanks for calling, man. Okay, you know, no problem. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we'd love to have you. Talking about people who send me emails and stuff. Right. And I've got a few emails here that I got during the week, and I just thought I'd kind of read a couple of them just to show folks the type of stuff. I've got one customer that brought his car in, and he had asked that we rotate the tires for him. Okay. And I looked at it, and there was a odd tire on the back. Which apparently at some point in time they maybe. ran over something, maybe busted one tire and had Correct. to replace it. So let's just say, for lack of a better term, it had four Goodrich and one Euroll. Three Goodrich and a Euroll. Yeah, three. There you go. All I'll, right. I'll get it sooner or later. I, I'm not good at math. But <laughs> he asked that we rotate tires, and I Correct. told him I said I wouldn't recommend that. I would leave it like it is. Let's don't rotate them. Uh-huh. And so his wife said, "Well, that's fine. Just do whatever you think's best." Well. He emailed says, look, he says, look, I sent over there to have it rotate, and you said not to do it. I was just interested in why you said that. Right. So I explained to him that when you've got different tires, each tire tread pattern is unique. One's not necessarily better than another, but they're all unique. Uh-huh. They're going to have different rolling characteristics. And let's say we put a Uniroll on the front with a Goodrich. It may pull one way or the other. Correct. Usually pretty hard, and it's going to get worse as speed increases. So that's the reason you would not rotate in that case. You just leave them where they are. You will lose a small amount of tire life by not rotating, but not as much as having to throw away the tire and go buy another one right now. So. Or the aggravation of a pull or the way the vehicle drives. 
Well, and not only that, but if your car is pulling hard one way and you're sitting there holding the steering wheel against that pull, you can actually, in time, end up damaging the rack and pinion because the little steering gear has constantly got pressure on it, which is not designed to have. Right. So let's say you drive it like that for 20,000 miles. You may find that even after you correct the problem, you still, still got, got pull. to pull. And now you got to end up changing the rack and pinion, which is not something you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> for, like, for rotating an odd tire to the front. That's right. And same thing holds if you bust a tire and put one new tire with three older tires, even though it is the same exact brand. Right. You want to put that new tire on the back. Because if you put a new tire with an older tire, even though they're exact same tires, you may end up with a pull. Right. Because you the rolling it. characteristics are going to be different. You see it most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't make a difference, but a lot of times it does. Well, and ideally, I guess you should put two new tires on it each time. That way you always have a matched pair, but that's not always practical. If I've got a set of tires that have 20,000 miles on them, they still look like in very good condition. Right, and you bust one. I run a curb, hit one tire. I'm not going to buy two tires, especially some tires are easily over $300 oh, now. Easily. So it's a situation that you may get into fairly frequently. So anyway, that's the reason you don't want to do that. And there will be a small, small sacrifice of tire life from not rotating, but that's going to be very minimal and has nothing compared to the cost of going ahead and just throwing away a good tire and putting two matching tires now. So that just answers that. And that's just typical of some of the questions that we get during the week. So that's a great questions. We're going to take a break. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, we'll be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I really thought the world was going to end. So what did you do? You see, Mike, I quit work and streaked through the cafeteria. I maxed out my credit cards, my grass is waist high, and I can't find my dog. I think the line I bought might have eaten him. And my car won't run. Hmm. Well, first, take your car into Agco Automotive so it'll get fixed right the first time. Then, take it in for regular maintenance to save money in the long run by keeping your car in good shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Well, Mike, there is one more thing. My neighbor DVR C-SPAN, and I promised I'd spend Sunday afternoons watching it with him. Now... I wish the world really would end. Sorry, uh, can't help you there, buddy. Hey, welcome back. If you join us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. That's 499-WJBO. Of course, you put a 225 in front of there. You can reach us from anywhere in the United States. And we're going to the phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. How you doing, Lewis? Doing great, sir. Question for you. Okay. I just changed brake pads on a Honda CRV 2003. Uh-huh. I used oh. a Honda pad. Okay. But I changed the rotor than I was using for rotors. Okay. Now it sounds like in the front it has like a little roaring sound when you press the brakes. Okay. Did you have the shims off the old pads and put on the new ones? Well, Honda pads should have come with new shims. No, they came with new ones. Good. Yeah. Good. You put the grease behind them? Right, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, if you put the grease behind the shims and everything, the only other thing that would normally cause that, Joe, is that, that rotor, I don't know if they told you this or not, but you got to wash those things with hot soap and water before you use them. They've got a chemical sprayed on them to keep them from rusting, and that chemical will contaminate those pads, and they're going to grind and groan from now on. And I don't know why they don't ever tell anybody that, but you need to get some hot soapy water and get in there and scrub them down pretty hard to get all that off because they have a rust-proofing stuff they spray on. You won't see it on there. It looks dry, but it's not. 
And if you didn't clean all that off, that's the only other thing I can think of that would cause that, other than if you had something like a caliper slide stuck or something like that, you would get that issue because it'll cause the pads to cock, you know, which will like fingernails on a blackboard kind of a deal. It's going to grind and groan and all that sort of thing. But It's not a loud one. It's just, you mm-hmm. know, you can hear it. I can hear yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, I would probably – how long has it been, Joe? Oh, probably about two weeks since I changed it. Yeah, it may be that it's, the damage is done. You're not going to be able to undo it. But you could try just pull it all down, get you some hot soapy water, wash everything down real good, re-lube the pads front and rear, and be sure you lube not only where the shim is in the back of the pad but where the ends of the pad touch right, the knuckle. Right. Make sure you put a little grease there. Everywhere metal touches metal, be sure you grease it with that caliper grease. Put it all back together and see if your noise is gone. If it's not, then you're going to end up having to change the pads again because you use the first set of pads to clean the rotors. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> expensive, right. expensive cleaning job. You know? Yeah, especially for them Honda pads, they ain't cheap. Yeah, well, they ain't that bad. About sixty bucks, I'm at. No, all four were 150. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's about eight. What seven, seven dollars a piece? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still a much all better right. pad you can buy than anywhere else. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay, Joe. Thanks. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. That's one of those things that see a lot where folks will buy a new rotor or whatever, and they don't realize it's a metal part, and it was probably shipped from China. Exactly. And it's not rusty. Yeah, <laughs> it's been in the box for well, six months. it's been in a box, been on a ship, been everywhere in the world, and it's not rusty, and that's because they have a dry-looking, clear chemical sprayed all over it that keeps from rusting. And I wish the guys in the parts stores would tell people when they buy these things, hey, you need to scrub this down and make sure you get it clean. And some people say you can take brake cleaner and clean them off, and that works a lot of times. But best thing for a do-it-yourselfer is to get some good hot soapy water and scrub it down real good. Get a little bristle brush and just really scrub both faces of that real good. Make sure you get right. it good get and all clean. That stuff get every of bit it. of that off before you put it together. If not, what you end up doing is having to change the pads again because this stuff soaks into the face of that pad and it's very porous. Right, so it absorbs right in, through. it cooks in, and basically you use the first set of pads to clean the rotors. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it changed pads. Oh, it must have been a bad set of pads. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Right. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, we used to see that a lot. I hadn't seen that in a while, but. Well, most of the rotors we get now have a, a wet chemical on them. Right, which is we, pretty obvious. Right, it's obvious. They come wrapped in a plastic bag with a wet chemical in it. You have to clean it before you put it on. It's just. It's real knockdown obvious that this is not dry, so it's got to be dry, so it's got to be clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably a little bit better. A little better, better than a dry chemical. That's right, because the dry stuff, you just don't even realize it's there. Right. Let's go back to our phones. John, good morning, John. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Look, I've got a 2002, I think it is, Chevy pickup 25. It's got the 6-liter engine okay. in Okay, yes, sir. And I, I got a little ticking noise. It sounds like maybe a little lifter noise. Okay. Just, it was just a little ticking. Is it? It's, it's kind of aggravating to listen mm-hmm. to. Is it first thing in the morning when it's cold and it goes away after the evening, or does it? Is it there all day? It's twenty four seven. Okay. Yeah. I I had another guy pulled up at my shop, and his truck was doing the same thing for five years. Wow. Yeah, they have some trouble with that, John. And a lot of times, if it's not throwing a check engine light or not running rough or anything. It may just be either a bad push rod, a bad rocker arm, or a bad lifter. It could be any one of the three because all three of them tend to wear out on those trucks. Now, I've also seen an exhaust manifold leaking cast that same noise. Yeah, it makes the exact same noise, but it'll generally go away when it gets gets hot. hot. A lifter will generally get worse when it gets hot. Right. So if it gets worse when it gets hot, then it's probably either the lifter or the push rod or the rocker arm. What you could 
try to do, if you're fairly handy, if you know which side it's on, is go ahead and pull the valve cover on that side. Yeah. And just take the rocker arms off and look at them. And it's supposed to be a perfectly smooth, round hole where that push rod fits in. If it's kind of football-shaped and worn, then it's worn out. It's an aluminum rocker with a steel push rod, and it will wear, and it wears an irregular pattern. When that happens, you have to replace it. And I'd take them all off on that side, look at them. If any of them are worn, I'd change it. Now, that's fairly easy to do. Yeah. And rock arms and push rods are not that expensive unless you have to no. change them all. Now, the lifters are a killer because you have to take the heads off the engine to get the lifters out. That's major, <laughs> major, major surgery. And they have some trouble with the camshafts wearing out in those engines also, particularly if you follow Chevrolet's recommendation and change it all every seven or 8,000 miles, you wear a camshaft out. Then you're talking major, major, major surgery. Yeah, well, I change my light comes on, tells me when to change the oil. You're not going by that, I hope. Why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that light usually don't come on for 7,500 yeah, miles. Yeah, I've seen that light go 10,000 miles, man. That's of course GM's in the business of selling vehicles, so that's why they use it, you know. But well, this is closer to 3,500 miles. Yeah, I, when my uh, change oil light. Yeah, comes you on. better pay attention to that because I know the one on my truck. I change it every 3,000. I don't reset the light, and that light does not come on for almost 10,000 miles on my truck. Oh, no, mine's as close to 3,500 as you can get every wow. time. Wow. Hmm, yeah, you must be really loading the heck out of the truck because it does look at that. But, uh, yeah, they've got those set way, way, way long. All righty. Oh, okay, man, I appreciate okay. it. Thank you, man. All Bye-bye. Right. All right, we're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. We have an anonymous caller here from the D.C. area. You're on the air. Oh, uh, yes, Mike. I have some serious debt issues. Okay. Let's say I'm in charge of this really big company, and we have this deficit. You know, I thought with the world ending, we'd be okay, but that didn't happen, and I need some cash. I maxed out all my credit cards but that barely made a dent. Well, it sounds like you need to be on a strict budget. And the first thing I tell you is to make sure you're not wasting money on big-time car repairs. Regular preventative maintenance with Agco Automotive is the key to saving money in the long run and a good way to pay off debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Any other advice? You should look into selling your house and downsizing. I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Hey, welcome back. If you join the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we're going back to our phone lines with Earl. Good morning, Earl. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Sir. I have a about a, a 2009 Toyota Tacoma. Okay. It's used. Uh-huh. And I got a card from Toyota saying that there's some sort of a lawsuit is ongoing about the speed control. Yeah, there's always something like that going on with one car company or another. I mean, it's just a litigious society that we live in. I mean, I just do whatever it says on the card. Uh-huh. And it probably doesn't require any input from you at all. It's just that a lot of people feel they've got some concern, and so they bring a class action suit. And, of course, there's some lawyer that's going to take it yeah. just because he's going to make a bunch of money. And if you're part of the class, I think you can either opt to be in the class or out of the class. And if you're part of the class and they do have a settlement, then you're going to get something. But generally right. what I'll see, they'll get a $50 billion settlement, and you'll get $2, you know, yeah. <laughs> and lawyers get the rest. But I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. If you go through the Highway Traffic Safety Administration, there's probably three or four of those on every car company in the world yeah. once a month of some kind. You either 
some kind of a class action or this, that, other. It's just society we live in, but I wouldn't be concerned. Very good truck. I wouldn't have any problem having that truck myself. Okay, and so it's an 09, and I don't know when it'd be time to change to have the transmission service. Yeah, what you really probably want to do, Earl, is bring that in. We have a service called a general inspection, and that's where we go through the entire truck, from one end to the other. Uh-huh. They'll check all your fluids, belts, hoses, brakes. They pull all the wheels. They check codes. They check pending codes. They'll just check everything on it. Give you a complete list of everything that you need in relation to what should have been done on the car up to this point. Right. And that way you can get it all back in good shape. And you don't necessarily have to do everything at one time. I may say that this needs doing right now. This needs doing right now. This could wait a year. This could wait indefinitely this could da 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 but that way you would have a good base level to start keeping the car in good shape and about once a year bring it in for a general inspection like that and you're never going to be very far behind on anything that way you can prevent problems instead of just waiting for it to actually have a problem and trying to fix it gotcha okay i appreciate it a lot man. all right thanks man bye-bye 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we'd love to have you and we got sj online good morning sj Morning, Lou. Look, I'm gonna put you on hold. Let's say you're breaking up real, real bad. Maybe you can go outside or something. Maybe you're on a cell phone, and I'll put you. I'll get right back to you. Let's go back to our phone lines with Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, Lewis. I got a pretty simple one for you. Okay. Changing the oil in my wife's 2007 Rav Four. Uh-huh. I noticed the coolant level is low. Okay. Do I need to buy the coolant from Toyota? I probably would on that. Got a pre-mixed coolant that they use, sort of a pink, super long life. And it's real convenient because it's already mixed with distilled water, so you can just pour it straight in as opposed to having to get you know it all mixed and all that. It is an HOAT coolant, so it's probably not compatible with a lot of the other stuff out there. Not that expensive. I want to say it's going to probably cost you about $18, $19 for a gallon, and a gallon will probably last you three or four years. So, you know, I would probably go ahead and just buy it from them. That way you're sure you're not contaminating your system. I mean, the cost of contaminating the system is so high that it'd be worth spending a few extra dollars to get it and put the right stuff. Sounds right. like a winner. Okay, Jeff. And, yes, you know, if you don't feel like buying it, I mean, you can swing by the shop. I'll top it off for you. We keep it in stock all the time, and that way you don't have to buy a whole gallon. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank Thanks, you. man. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And going back to our phone lines, we have Don line. Good morning, Don. Hey, good morning, Lewis. I got a quick question. You bet. I've got an 05 Lexus GX470. Okay. Does it have a chain or a belt? It's a four, 470. Okay, I know. 470. I'm sorry. A 470 would be a belt. Yes, yeah. 4.7. Yes, okay. right. It is uh, a belt. 4.7 would be the V8. That's a smaller V8. They make a 5.7 and they make a 4.7, and that is a belt engine. Yes, sir. That's a belt. Okay, well, yes, I better get it changed. I got 135,000 on it. Well, that, and you see, you're you're going on eight years old, and that's really yeah. a lot more critical than the miles because seven years is the outside life on it because it deteriorates over time. So, yeah, I would get yeah. that in and get that changed out. You don't want to have that break on you leave you stranded. Well, I was just certain I had a chain. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Yeah, no, no, the 4 7 is definitely a belt engine, and the 5 7, I think, is also a belt engine. All of their six cylinders have now gone to chains. Okay. Like the new 3 5 and all that has gone to a chain, but okay. the V8s have not changed over yet. And probably when they decide to redesign those, they will go to a chain, but it'll be a while before they redesign it because both of those engines are fairly new to their fleet. Okay, got one more quick one. You bet, you bet. Do you change out dashboards? Because I've got a, have you, you've heard of the dashboard cracking problem in these vehicles? Excuse me, on the Lexus product? Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen that a whole lot, but yeah, I can change it for you. Yeah. It, how badly is it cracked, Don? Well, it's cracked across over about a glove box. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been reading on the internet about a lot of people have this 
Probably. Yeah, may very well. I know I see that in a lot of other cars. I know the Dodge trucks have a huge oh, yeah. problem with that, man. They, yeah. Every one of those every is one that up comes like in that. is busted all it's up. It's like all the car companies have forgot how to make plastic or something. I yeah, don't, well, I think so. Are there any aftermarket dash, or should I go back to Lexus? Well, they upgraded them, I heard. You know, yeah, I, to get the original part, you can have to go back to Lexus and buy it. Nobody makes a replacement dash. They do make like a cover, I think, that you can put over it. Which yeah. is inexpensive. It will hide the problem. It's not as nice as a new dash would be, obviously, but it's yeah. way cheaper, you know. Well, I think I'll get it from uh, Lexus and bring it to you. To yeah, we can do that for you. It's not they're ungodly high with their charges. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. okay All right, right, thank you. Thanks, man. Right. Bye, bye. Four nine 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 five two six. Number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. Go ahead and just give us a call. I was talking earlier about some of the email that we get, and I had another email here from a fellow in Houston that actually become pretty good friends with the guy because he emails all the time. Right. Just, he's got several cars that he takes care of, his own, his grandfather's, and several of his family members. And his granddad's got a little Toyota Camry that he bought about six months ago. And when they bought it, place that he got it from changed the oil for him, and they actually put a aftermarket oil filter on it, which concerned him a little bit. But he says he's now got six months, but he still doesn't have 3,000 miles. Right. And was wondering, should he go ahead and change the oil? And I said, well, I'm a pretty big proponent of changing oil every six months, regardless of the mileage. And particularly with an aftermarket filter on I think I would. So oil is fairly cheap. And especially this one doesn't get driven a lot. That's kind of severe service. I would like to see at least twice a year change the oil without any regard to mileage. Right. If you only put 3,000 miles a year, well, then just say 1,500 miles where you need to change it because in six months, you can have a lot of liquid contaminants that are going to get into that engine from and not being run. Even with a factory filter, it's not going to pull the liquid contaminants They'll out. They'll go right through it. Yeah, right. moisture and all goes right through the filter because it's a liquid, and it starts to build sludge. It starts to attack the metal components in the engine and all that, so... Again, just one kind of a sample of some of the email that we get. Right. But good question, and, yeah, I think he would be well served to go ahead and just change the oil now. Let's go back to our phone lines. we got Brooks on line. Good morning, Brooks. Hey, I have a general question. You've probably been asked this before. If you was in the market for a pickup truck with the requirements of a, a V8, double cab, short or long wheelbase, not important, and a four-wheel drive, which model would you get, foreign or domestic, and uh, which brand and model would you suggest? Well, Brooks, if you're not looking for a new truck per se, I would go with one of the General Motors products before 2006 and be pretty comfortable with that. Uh-huh. After 07, in my opinion, they just kind of went to hell in a handbasket, if you excuse my French. Wouldn't look at a Ford at all, wouldn't look at a Chrysler at all. If you just went by a new one, I would probably look at the Toyota product. You, the Honda has a little truck, but it's I don't know that it's going to be the size vehicle you want. It's a smaller vehicle. Right, it's going to have a V6 in it. Yeah, the Toyota is probably overkill unless you're really, really using the devil out of it. I mean, that's literally a one-ton vehicle. So say, what are you planning on doing with this truck? Well, it'll be light, light commercial and residential. I'll be living on a, on a farm, and yeah. I'll be going in and out of the woods every now and then, basically driving back and forth to work. And, I think, uh, Brooks, what I would do is try to find, like, an 06 or 05 model with, say, forty or 50,000 miles on it, and you'd have a pretty good selection, pretty good price on it. And some people say, well, I don't want to buy a used vehicle. And I understand that, but if you think about it, a new truck like that is probably fifty grand. You could probably buy this one for... 15 and a new one you're not going to want to drag down through the woods or That's out right. on the yeah just stick that extra something. 30 grand in the bank and you know you can pay for any repair you might ever have right and, and then plenty okay. so the uh, trick is to find a vehicle and get it checked out before you buy it yeah have it inspected by somebody that knows what they're looking for on those vehicles and you're going to come out way better off 
Mm-hmm. And they have good four-wheel drive systems. Oh, yeah, yeah. Them. Most people that buy a four-wheel drive truck never use it. I mean, I'd say two-thirds of the four-wheel drives that come in our shop, man, it's never even been in four-wheel drive. Okay, you know, pe- people buy them because they think they're cool, but... Now, will y'all check it out for me if I look at one? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Go on my website and just click on pre-purchase inspection. It tells you everything we check and how we do it and how we charge and all that kind of stuff. Very good, very good. All right. All right thank you. Okay, Brooks. You're welcome. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd love to have you. And let's see, we've got time for one more call. And we got Don online. Good morning, Don. Yeah, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good. And I enjoy y'all show. Well, thank you. Me. Appreciate thank you listening. You. Right. Look, I have a 1989 Toyota mm-hmm. LE with a 2.0 uh, engine in it. Okay. I bought it brand new in 1989. Wow. Okay. Now, my dash, uh, I had a the dash light which shows you got a light out came on on my yes, dash. Yes, mm-hmm. And I checked all my lights, and it was a left front parking light that was out so i changed and the bulb was bad mm-hmm. i changed it mm-hmm. and after i changed the, the bulb and that the light still stays yes. on mm-hmm. on the day don i tell you on those systems they don't actually check the front lights at all they strictly check the back lights so you may have had a front light out, but it's telling you that there's a backlight out is what it's actually trying to tell you. And what you're going to have to do, those are really, really hard to tell because there's two bulbs in some of those things, and it may light up, but it may still have a bulb out or one filament out in a two-filament bulb. Oh. What we do a lot of times is actually go in the trunk and take the bulbs out and physically look at them, and you'll see one of the bulbs is probably out. Now, if that is not the case, if every light bulb is on and the light's still on, it could be the little module has failed. I've seen that little module that controls that go out every once in a while. Kind of a pricey little rascal to try to fix. Most people don't fix it. They just kind of ignore the light from then on, just kind of check the lights themselves. But if you want it fixed, I can certainly fix it. We can change that module. But just make sure. I, I see people fooled by that all the time. There'll, there'll be a bulb out. And if you can't find it, bring it by the shop. I can check it for you and see. Most of the time, we find one of the bulbs is still out in the back. Okay, so that actually, that light coming on reflects the uh, rear. Uh, rear, the yes, rear of the mm-hmm. car. It did definitely have a front bulb out, but I don't think it checks the front. I think it only checks the rear. Right. All okay, right. thank you. All right, Don, thanks, man. Right. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. We are talking about email and stuff uh-huh. like that and some of the stuff I get. Uh, I've got another fella, and again, this is another gentleman that, Emails me on a fairly regular basis. Right. And lives actually in Georgia. He's got a Cadillac. CTS? I think a CTS, yeah, 2007 uh-huh. model. And he took it to the dealership asking them if he should have the transmission serviced. And what they told him was that he had a sealed transmission. Right. And the only way to service that was to flush it. Okay. Which I don't know what a sealed transmission is. No such thing as a sealed transmission. No, all of them have a drain and a fill port Some, somewhere yeah. on the mm-hmm. unit. There are some who don't have a dipstick. Right. They're not a sealed transmission. That's just more hoopla. And GM does not recommend flushing their transmission. So I sent him a copy of the bulletin saying, I said, you might want to show them their own bulletin here because <laughs> apparently they don't know that they're not supposed to flush these transmissions. Right. Now, that particular car, if it's got the larger V6, which most of them does, uh, it's going to have a 4T65E, which does have a filter, and you can do a full service. Right. Full if it's got the smaller V6 in it, some of those do have a CBT, right. which I don't think you can change the filter on it, but you can do a double drain and fill, which is basically the same thing. It's, right. It's, it's a just like, service. Right. You can get the vast majority of the fluid out, as opposed to a flush, which is not going to get the fluid out. I know they tell you it will, but if you understand the way a flush works, it's not going to get even as much fluid as dropping the pan out. That's right. And if you go to the website and type in flush in the contact bar, that's right. they'll bring up a whole article about how that a big misleader. Well, that's right. It's 
basically a big lie. They'll tell you, oh, this will get 100% of your fluid out. No, it won't. It won't even get close to that. Right. Probably not going to get close to about 60% of the fluid out. Simply because the pump is constantly picking up fluid, it's producing more pressure than the unit can use, so it's dumping about half of what it picks up back, back into the in pan. The pan. So exactly. it's just recirculating inside transmission. That's not being addressed. It's also got at least two to three different circuits. It's got a lubrication circuit, a pressure circuit, and so on. And what the coolers do is they interrupt the line that goes to the torque converter to the cooler, and they filtering one line out of all of them, and the rest of them are just dumping back dirty fluid into the pan. So what you're doing is you're just you're taking out that one line, dumping that clean fluid back in the pan, which is being picked up and run back, back out, out the out same the line. So you're pumping a lot of clean fluid out, but you're not getting anywhere close to 100% of the fluid out. Right, and you're also disturbing all the trash that's already sitting in the bottom of the pan for the well, restricting the filter. And worse, you're not helping the filter at all because the filter's a problem, not the fluid anyway. Right. So you're actually getting more of your fluid out just by doing a proper service on it. Marvin, if you hold on, you'll be up straight after this break. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I feel terrible. Wow, what'd you do? I maxed out all of my credit cards, bought over 200 pairs of shoes, didn't shave my legs for 60 days, and ate primarily chocolate and breathe the entire month of December. My stomach's still not quite right. Well, in addition to lots of salads, one thing I can recommend to help recoup some money is to take your car to Agco Automotive. Agco's experienced technicians provide you a quote and then stick to that price so you're never surprised by higher cost. And Agco fixes vehicles right the first time. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. So, no fruits or veggies for an entire month? Do strawberry Pop-Tarts count as fruit? No, not last time I checked. Hey, good morning. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Welcome back. Hey, you just join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan and Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going back to our front lines with Marvin. Good morning, Marvin. And a good morning to you, Louis. Yes, good morning. sir. I have a 2011 Toyota Camry. Uh-huh. And the recommended oil change is 10,000 miles on synthetic. Mm -hmm. Right. And what is your advice and why? Marvin, it depends on the way you drive the car. Mileage is really a horrible indicator of when oil should be changed. It really, we need to move away from that. It's just a really, really bad indicator. It really has very little bearing on the condition of the oil. What has 100% bearing is the way you drive the car. Well, city driving. Yeah, if you're all city driving, what you're going to find is that oil is going to be pretty well contaminated by the time you get to around 3,000, 3,500 miles. Even on synthetic? Absolutely. Right. Synthetic oil is a great product. In this particular instance, you've got to use synthetic because that's what the car is engineered for, but it is not designed to go longer than regular oil. It's a better detergent. It cleans better. It gets dirty faster. It picks up more contaminants. That's a... Something that all companies came out with to try to make it sound more affordable. So they say, oh, you can go longer. No, you can't. Now, if you look at the point to oxidation of the product, mm -hmm. yeah, it will go long. However, the additives in it are the same additives that have been used. They will not go that long. Mm -hmm. So what happens, the stuff that keeps your seals and gaskets pliable starts to go away. The stuff that controls the foam and the engine goes away. The detergents go away. All the rusting, anti-corrosion agents go away. So you end up with major, major problems down the road. Since they went to this ridiculous all-change interval, 
the number of engines we changed has probably exploded. I mean, we put more engines in in the last five years than I did in the first 50 years I was in business. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're changing engines out at 110, 120,000 miles at a war slam out. And that's some, something 20 years ago you never saw. Some 09s. 08s, 09s? Oh, yeah. Already. Put an engine in an 08 avalanche this week, camshaft wore completely out in it. And, and 109,000 miles. That's because going too long on combination the of that and the cheap junk they putting in them, you know, all these imported content, they all everything's made offshore now. But you're not ever, ever going to save enough money more on oil changes to justify one rear main seal job. And I can tell you, you start pushing out those oil changes 10,000 miles, you're not going to notice any difference at all for about the first sixty or 70,000 miles. Then the valve cover is going to start leaking, and you're going to fix that. Then the rear main seal is going to start leaking, and you're going to fix that. Then the front seal is going to start leaking, and you're going to fix that. Then the timing chain is going to start rattling. You know what I'm saying? You're going to spend nickel. a fortune. It's going to nickel and dime you to death. No, it's going to dollar you to death. There you go. <laughs> so you're, going to, you're telling me that Toyota's producer or all manufacturer producing a whole generation It'll be a wore-out car with absolutely. 100,000 miles. Oh, absolutely. And you got to remember, see, when they engineer a car, Marvin, they are engineering this car to last 100,000 miles. Mm-hmm. That is the life of the car to them. At the end of that period, throw it away. Crush it. Go buy another car. Mm-hmm. Don't even trade it in. Just crush this thing. You got your money's worth. Move on. Now, if you can afford to do that, that's great. I can't. I got to drive cars 200, 300,000 miles to get my money's worth. They need to look at the sticker price on these cars. Well, that's it. And I, you know, I just can't trade cars every five years. I, I know some people can. Hey, God bless them. I'm happy for them, but I can't. I got to keep my cars 15, 20 years and put two, 300,000 miles because it's awful hard for me to get another 30, 40 grand to cough up to buy another car. What would you recommend be the maximum go on an oil change on synthetic? Just strictly depends on the way you drive. And Marvin, if your average trip, is five miles or less, which most people's are. If you read Toyota's recommendation, that's considered extreme service, and they even recommend 3,500 miles on it. 3,500? Yes, sir. That's about far as I would go with it. Well, I sure do appreciate All righty. it. All Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And there we go. We're going back to the lines with Don. Good morning, Don. Yeah, I called you a while ago about that light being on on the okay. dash. Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. I forgot to ask you this. Does that 89 Toyota Camry with that 2.0 engine have a check engine light? It does. Well, it's never come on on my car. Well, good. Oh. Good. Yeah. <laughs> means you never had a problem. <laughs> okay, because it's never come on. Yeah, on it my- doesn't check a whole lot of things, Don. It's not like a modern car. After 96, it starts checking about 2,000 different things. Oh. That one probably checked about 200 things. So the likelihood of it coming on, about the only thing it was checking, it looks at the oxygen sensors. It looks at a couple things like that. But... Yeah, it's not going to come on like the new ones do, just because it checks far, far fewer things. Okay, I'm just wondering if it had one on it. Cause oh, yeah, it's on there. It's never come on. That's a good thing, John. Yep. Uh, and also, on that, it would be a light out on the rear. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Could be a brake light, could be one of the park lights, could be a turn signal light. Yeah, well, I checked all my lights. They're all on. Yeah, I need to take them out and physically look at them, because like oh. I say a lot of them are going to have two bulbs, in, and one may be working, and it's awful hard to tell that the other one's out. Oh, okay. Good. All righty. Thank you. All right, Don. Thank you. 499-9526 number. I think we got time to sneak one last call on here. We got Lee online. Good morning, Lee. Yes, sir. I have a uh, 99 Chevy pickup, uh-huh. and the ignition is worn out so that once I start the vehicle, I can actually take the key out. Okay. Right. Yes. Uh, running it without the key in the ignition is that damaging the electric system? No. Mm-hmm. No. No. It doesn't care. It's just a. So you got two different parts of that thing, Lee. You got the lock, which is what's worn out, and you got the switch, which is behind the lock. As long as the switch is in the proper position, it doesn't care if the lock works or not. It's just somebody can steal the car. Is the only danger. 
not only that, but at some point in time, it's probably going to lock up and you're not going to be able to get the key out or you're not going to be able to get the key in. And at that point, it's going to be a much, much bigger repair bill because as long as you can rotate that cylinder, you can get it out fairly easy. It's about an hour, hour and a half job. If you break the key or you can't get a key in it or it won't turn, that turns into about a six or seven hour job because you got to tear the whole steering column down to get it out. Right. That key actually unlocks the cylinder so you can reach in there and manually push the, the little button to in there to, to release the cylinder out of the column. Mm-hmm. And if your key won't go in and turn, then you can't release that button. So you have to physically tear the entire column down past that point to get it out. Then. Right. And right. it turns into so a much bigger job. Be better to go ahead and take care of it while it's still still working. Easy to do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Those locks like that, you want the same key uh-huh. to fit that fit before. What's going to happen when you buy that lock cylinder from GM, it's going to come as an unkeyed cylinder. Okay. And the problem you may have is if you take your old key and try to key it to that, it may not work because the key is worn out. Right. In which case, you got to get another key to key the cylinder. Right. Which you can sh- get to be a pretty right. big deal. You so. should actually have a new key to key the new cylinder, too. That's correct. Hey, I'll tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Like, thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to iTunes and give us a written rating. Yeah, well, sure. We appreciate that. That always kind of makes our day. There you go. And I want to tell everybody preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.